ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Burden of Command podcast. Today's guest is Colonel Garth Massey. Uh, he's a 23-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps and Chief Leadership Officer of Command Ready. Colonel, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, uh, so the first question I ask all my guests, pretty standard at this time for the listeners, is uh, what does the term Burden of Command mean to you? <laughs> well, it can mean a lot of things. Uh, we call it the mantle of command sometimes, almost jokingly in the Marine Corps. Uh, but I, I think collectively it's it's the things you need to do personally in your life or professionally for your, your career or your team um, that require you to not focus on yourself but focus on achieving other things. And whether that means helping other people or sacrificing so that you can advance your business or your, your fitness routine or whatever it is. It's the idea that you can deny your own self-interest for, you know, anything, pleasure, rest, uh, you know, sleep, food, you know, all the other little things that, that we think of as like comfort items. And in that denial, uh, you can create other things with that same energy, that same time. Uh, but the, the problem is that it's hard. I mean, it's, it's uh, discipline. I mean, burden of command is really recognizing that self-discipline is more important than self-gratification or self-recognition or all the things that, uh, you know, are popular now in society where we, we want to talk about, you know, passion and happiness. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the ability to set those things aside. Well, yeah, and, and you said things there, you know, again, as a Marine myself, that, that ring true. I love the, the talking about self-sacrifice. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of the foundation, really, of, of the United States Marine Corps and, and, and our history of leadership is is kind of shared suffering and shared sacrifice uh, for one another. Well, would you agree with that? I do. And, I mean, that's, you know, now you, you talk culture and history of warfare. I mean, every military uh, – you know, to be successful requires a degree of, of shared sacrifice and suffering. And, and in that, we build camaraderie and, and, a, and a tight-knit community and a closeness that uh, is hard to replicate other places. Um, you know, there's that, that shared sense of service among veterans throughout history across different militaries. And they all do it a little bit differently. But, um, yeah, I mean, think about boot camp, you know, or, or OCS or basic training or whatever you went through. 
you know, that the, the word I is taken out of a lot of your communication and everything is this candidate or, you know, this recruit or, or a we kind of thing. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you see and understand that, you know, the special flower that you were growing up is, is not helping the larger organization and won't get you to mission accomplishment. And if you're going to be part of a team or part of an organization, you have to understand where the line is between individualism and, and sort of mission success. And that's not to say like individuals can't be successful. It's to say that you have to be willing to forgo something to get other things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, uh, and again, I love having this conversation because my, my past few guests have been, uh, uh, air force, uh, colonels and lieutenant colonels and, and, you know, they, they, there's a lot that goes on with Air Force leadership that translates. But as a Marine, we've got that kind of bond going, and we see this a lot of the same way. And so I like what you're saying, especially about boot camp and taking that individualization out and, and being more of a, of a team, more of a tooth on the cog than trying to be the cog. Um, now, with, with your organization uh, command ready, you know, we, we kind of are in the same space with what we do in the leadership phalanx. How have you... How have you had that translate into the corporate world with with the egos that are at play out there? You know, that's that's the whole purpose of what you were just talking about is kind of getting an ego suppressed. It's a little harder to do in a corporate world when you can't just put somebody in a sand pit for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, putting you in a sand pit doesn't suppress your ego. It just tires you out, which makes you more willing to listen. Right. <laughs> because there's, you know, there's no greater way to close off someone's ears than have them be arrested. Right. Um, but, you know, we, in the Marine Corps, we wear them out first and then you talk to them. Right. Um, I would tell you that, I mean, Command Ready, we, we, we do corporate leadership training, but it's really based on like simple principles. Um, we believe in the idea that fluency is what makes us better. Like it's the daily repetition and the maintenance of basic principles, your character, your traits, your, um, you know, the, the, the blocking and tackling of leadership that gets you through. And we're not teaching that lots of places. Uh, we do individualism really well. You know, we, you get good grades in school, you take a good test, you get a good SAT or whatever, you know, you get into a good college, you get a good resume, you get the job, you get promoted, like everything is individual, individual all the way through. And then you get into a leadership role or you take on you know, the burden of command to do something and suddenly you're called upon, you know, to, to sacrifice self over, over a larger good or a larger group at least. And, and that's hard because it takes a decision to change your behavior. But then we run into this problem. There's, there hasn't been anyone teaching you how to decide to focus on a bigger, bigger picture. I mean, there's, there's platitudes to it and maybe you joined a, you know, a sports team and they talked about teamwork. But even in talking about teamwork, like we're still measured by our individual performance. So, you know, if you're the fastest runner, the highest jumper, whatever, you might be on a team, but that individual performance is still celebrated. There's still one MVP. So when you get into a real leadership position where it's not about you, if you're doing it right, uh, and you really want the organization to succeed, you have to make a decision to, to remove things from your life that, you know, feed into to you and you have to be willing to use those choices to develop your humility and humility will allow you to start focusing on, you know, the next level of leadership to actually transition. Most people, you know, they're, they're individually excellent and they're admirable and they do great stuff. And then when they get to that leadership position, they're individually excellent at, at, you know, Mach 10. So they do more of individual and then people just try and keep up and it's called pace setting. 
And it's very, very common leadership trait. And the idea is I work harder than you and I'll grind you to the ground because I can show up earlier. I can work longer. I can produce more. And we're all in this, this race, you know, and that's the, you know, the old rat race thing, but like decision, the root word of decision side, right. is to cut in Latin. And when you cut things away, that means that something is gone and you have to make a decision. You have to decide to cut away the things in your life that led to, you know, you being self-serving and grow into a leadership role where your focus becomes, all right, how do I take every success, every failure, you know, every opportunity to develop the system around me? And that doesn't mean, you know, everybody makes it. You know, leaders have to make a decision to cut away uh, the people who are bringing the culture down or bringing the organization down. I mean, if you're running a company and you have people that when you tell them to do things, they don't do things, like that's part of that burden is you have to make a decision to remove people and, and those decisions have consequences. I mean, you know, that you're going to affect lives and families in all your choices when you're in charge. Um, and you're, you take risk. It's inherent in, in the role and you have to be willing to accept that. But I think that to be able to accept that means first you got to come to grips with your own humility and, and recognize that, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and make the omelet. Right. And I know that that means breaking eggs, you know, and, and you have to realize what your comfort level is for taking that on. Like a lot of people want to be in charge, but they don't want to make any tough decisions. So, you know, when they, when they get there and then that first tough decision hits them in the face, they just try and be everybody's friend. And so now you have someone who's pace setting, you know, they they do the most sit-ups, the most pull-ups, but then they're trying to make everybody their friend. So they run around and they gossip or they, they try and joke with the people or they try and, you know, whatever. And then, and, and it's false and we all kind of see through it. Um, and that leads to problems. So I, I, I like, you know, the, the concept of decision or deciding as being a recognition that you have to cut some things away from your life and take other choices or take other paths um, that remove options for you. And, and some of those in the burden of command, you know, if you want to do it well, some of the things you have to remove are the self-serving things. Well, and I like that you tied all that in together because as you were talking about the uh, deciding, pace setting and, and your last comments there, you know, we run into that a lot. The, the person who can run faster, the person who can make the most sales, the person who can do whatever your, your organization's success metric is, the person who can do that the best is seen as invaluable. The problem comes, like you said, when that person starts uh, causing problems and you're not willing to get rid of that for the good of the culture. You know, but the problem with that pace setter is, is they can be one of your most valuable assets if you can get them to bring everybody up with them. The danger is, what happens when that's the person that, that everybody looks to and then they're no longer there, right? Right. So, I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying and, and you're right. I mean, you have individuals who are rock stars, but I've worked in companies where the number one sales guy was abusive to the client service engineering mm-hmm. and support teams. And at one point, the company in a very mature way made a decision and they, they cut him. Right. You know, they're like, we can't continue regardless of the revenue you're bringing in you're ruining, you know, 20 other people and, and we're constantly out rehiring and finding new people and, and retraining and we lose productivity time because you walk into the customer service office and you're cussing and you're swearing and you're yelling at people and like people go home crying and they file HR reports and, and it, you know, it took a, a while, but they made that choice. And, and I'm not suggesting that the pay setters in any way are, 
are not great and wonderful people, but but when you recognize somebody who is a problem or who is a cancer or who is because it's not just it's not just revenue, right? Like we look at our best salespeople and go, oh, they they've sold a lot, they bring in a ton of money. Well, that's great. Um, but how do they affect the culture of the organization? Do they fit in the mission profile? You know, are they having a great sniper is awesome if you're in a place where snipers are useful. Um, but if you're not fighting a fight where you're, you're slinging rounds in that way, then having a great sniper isn't helping you out. Right. So it's again, back to decisions, like bring the right tools and the right tools can be people, personalities, traits, and you can't have an organization that's all participatory either. Like if everybody shows up and wants to have a vote every day, what you have is government. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I say that jokingly, but you know, bureaucratic organizations are designed so that everyone can say no. Very few people can say yes. And we spend, you know, all your time in committee or in meetings or, you know, so there, there's a, a balance, but I don't think we're taught you know, there are lots of levels of leadership and styles that you can embrace and your job as you grow and develop is to try them on, test them out, and then use them, you know, where it makes sense. And when you're young, hey, pace it away. Like, go. I, you know, if you're brand new to a job, I want to see you working. I want to, you know, see that you can fight in the cold and the hot and the dark and the, you know, everything. I, you know, you, you show up to a range or a patrol with a bunch of young brand new Marines. You want them working hard and hustling. And, you know, I, I joke around uh, and say, you know, it's a lot of yutting. Like you want everybody making noise, <laughs> right? And that that's how we, we look and we go, ah, leadership, you know, <laughs> they're out there training. And that's, you have to have that. But when you pull your senior staff and COs or your, your junior officers or your mid-level officers aside, you want to see them come from the yutting and then be able to take a deep breath and then stand in front of a map board and really think through, right? And, and spend time uh, thinking at a different or a higher level. And you only get that when you've done all the yutting and the running around. And then you get a chance to like see how it's constructed. And then you get a chance to see how it's designed. And what you're really doing, right, is you're trying to, you're trying to balance two systems, your imagination and then just systems in general, right? So systems are like um, how we sense things or how we build out options. And imagination is how we expand our perspective, right? And, and if as you grow in leadership, because you don't get this right out of the gates, but as you grow, you have to keep in mind that like, part of your job is to develop better systems, right? Create options, build your sensing tools better, optimize your you know stuff. But then your other half is you've got to focus on how to develop your imagination. Are you thinking new ideas? Are you are you challenging your preconceived biases? Are you you know expanding or able to open your perspective so that you can bring change and growth and development to your organization and, and without both halves right the you know the working half and the thinking half like if without those two halves um it's difficult to make the transition and you can be in a leadership role but that's where you're the pace setter if you really want to like just take an organization to the next level you have to play you know with both those tools right no absolutely and, and again uh, uh, just to clarify for for listeners you know, pace setting is, is fantastic. You want those people. Uh, my, mm-hmm. I guess what I was going at is is when you just let that, and you alluded to it there, actually you actually said it, when you let that pace setter control everything else, that becomes toxic. Uh, you have to be able to yeah, reel yeah. them in uh, and, and keep the culture for the good of everyone. Uh, you can't sacrifice the 90% for, for the 10% uh, being the pace setters. And, and, and hey, look, if you're going to be an Olympic sprinter or – 
you know, wrestler or powerlifter or whatever, if you're going to compete at the highest levels, be a pace setter. That's right. fantastic. But the day you decide you're not competing anymore and you want to coach, you got you got to add more stuff to your toolbox. And, yeah. You know, you start with burden of command. So part of the burden of command is recognizing, okay, when is it time for me to learn some new skills and practice and study and challenge what I believe and try something new? And that that that's tough. Right. Well, and I know, so uh, I know you're a fan of history and, and, and that, and you know, one of the stories that I like to share that, that kind of exemplifies that is um, the, the battle at Thermopylae. And, and a lot of people are familiar with that from the movie 300, which was a gross dramatization, but still a good flick. It's but, like a high school football prep game. Yeah. Get <laughs> right. all pumped up. You know, but there's a scene in there that a lot of people miss. And, and, you know, as best I can tell doing research, this is actually how it happened. But when they're talking about building, uh, the wall for the choke mm-hmm. point and, and King Leonidas, uh, he consults his, his, uh, captains and they talk and he's just sitting there. He's listening to the talk, 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 talk. And he gets up after a few minutes and he just picks up a rock and he goes over and sets it down. And mm-hmm. then the captains notice this and he goes back and he picks up another rock and sets it down and then it clicks and they command everybody to go start building the wall. This was it. He, he said it. He didn't say a word. He listened, took their counsel, and he goes and he sets the wall down and or sets the rock down to start building the wall. And it was yeah. like leadership by example. Well, sort of. I mean, he was looking for input and what they were trying to figure out right. is where should the wall be? Should it be up front towards the edge? You know, should it be way back to draw them into the choke point? Like they were they were debating the tactics of it. Mm-hmm. And what he realized is that, you know, they could debate, like I said, participatory, right? They could debate endlessly because we never get 100% correct solution to anything. Like there is no absolute. And if you do figure out the absolute, what does it tell you in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? You know, if you... If you, if you waited long enough to get the perfect answer to the problem, the questions change. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're right. What he did is he realized there's a, a, an acronym I love. It's, it's called ACT, and it stands for Action Changes Things. So at some point, he had enough input as a leader to say, okay, you know, I hear the value of doing it this way and doing it that way, but at the end of the day, i got to pick up a rock and just get started. And, and he made a choice, right? Whether The funny thing is in the story, they don't say, you know, oh, well, he – here was his decision matrix. This is how he figured it out. This is how you can figure out the exact depth of the wall. He just started moving and everyone went, yeah, whatever. It's good enough. You know, right. we, Marines call it what? The 70% solution, right? Yep. If you have 70% of the solution, get started and then use that momentum to carry you forward. And I know, you know, people who like academics can say, well, 70% is a C minus. Okay, great. Call it the 80% solution. But, but recognize that at some point you got to get up, you know, strap on and get going, right? You got to load your gear up, you put your kit together and and start, just start. Mm -hmm. And that action will change outcomes. Um, You know, sitting around and and thinking about it is, is good. Um, But that's why there's two parts, imagination and, and, and building out of the systems. You got to be willing to engage both. Right. No, a hundred percent. And that's again, well, like you said earlier, kind of the basics, right? Because you, you can sit there and you can overthink it. I mean, you can just overthink it, overthink it, overthink it. But if you never do anything, or mm-hmm. it, let, let me back up a second. If you do come to that, quote, perfect plan, as soon as you start acting, what happens? The battlefield changes, like you said. Whatever your goal is kind of moves on you, and you have to adapt on the fly anyways. Yep. 
and, and, uh, and it, it, that's not to it, this doesn't give you a pass for planning like planning right. is still important right but but it's a recognition that no amount of planning will ever solve everything like in you know what did Patton say right it's it's not the plan that matters it's the planning Mm-hmm. It's your ability to see your situation for what it really is, that perspective, right, and understand the actual problem. A lot of people are building plans for things that they don't really know what the problem is. Right. Like, you know, there's a general sense of uneasiness or unhappiness like, you know, I, I got a job. I don't like my job. If I was running a sandwich store, I'd be happier. And they sit and daydream about it all the time, but they don't actually you know, start the planning. If you sat down and figured out how much money do you need to live? Where could you put a sandwich shop? What does it take to run a sandwich shop? You did a little bit of research. Like those trigger items will get you started. But this is where like my – so my personal belief, I love continuous learning. I think we should all be reading. I think we should be writing. I think we should be doing all this stuff all the time. Right. But people, if given eternity, wouldn't do anything (laughs) because you could always start tomorrow. Right? Like January 1 gets a lot of props because everybody writes down all these great goals they're going to do. But they're goals for a year. So by January 4th, we're done. We've, we've discarded them. We're off the program, right? We have to bring the horizon closer and, and recognize how our brains work and how society works and just be willing to make smaller micro goals and challenges and systems to support it. You know, if you want to change the way your fitness is, you, you sign up for, you know, one of those 90-day challenges or the 75 challenge or the, you know, whatever. But you pick something with discernible limits where you know I'm going to knuckle down and just do this for a short period of time. Right. And we've got, like the, you mentioned Command Ready, we've got a virtual training platform. And it's a 21-day challenge. For three weeks, you log in, you watch you know, one video, and you get one homework assignment. And the goal is every single day, you put 15 minutes you know, into your own life in, in, in investing. And what I found is that people will do that, especially if they go into it with their coworkers or friends, and stick to it for 21 days. But if you do anything for three weeks, it changes how you see and perceive the world. So the outcomes are fantastic. Like we, I used to run a, a, a youth development program or a physical fitness development. It was a 12-week training camp for youth. And it was designed around youth kinesiology. And so athletic stuff that made, you know, growing bodies stronger without breaking them was kind of the goal. Mm-hmm. And it was a sucker's bet. We could guarantee... That if a kid showed up and did, you know, this this program that they would jump higher, run faster and do more. And, and it didn't matter where they were starting from because at 16, if you stare at weights every day, you know, for that period of time, you're going to get stronger. That's just, you know, their, their bodies are growing. And if you can steer it just a little bit, well, our brains are the same way. If you challenge yourself to do something for a period of time and be consistent at it, you will get better. Um, but what we do is we say, oh, I want to be rich someday. Well, that, that's not action. You know, oh, I want to be happy. Well, that's not action, right? Action is saying, okay, I can't be happy, but I can change this aspect of my life. And now we're back to what we started with. It's a decision. You cut away the other choices to do the thing that you've committed to. And you, you, you learn humility and you learn character, you know, by making disciplined choices about what you're going to do with your behavior. And it doesn't mean it to be perfect every day. You know, I can't tell you that, you know, I wake up every morning and, you know, eat one raw egg and do 400 push-ups and then do six <laughs> hours of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, you know, I don't do all that. But I do have a routine and I do have ways that I start my day that ensure I'm off to a good start. 
Um, and I am committed to, you know, reading and I'm committed to writing and I'm committed to my business and, um, you know, so you, you build that routine. I'm not here to like preach exactly how that works, but, um, you know, throughout the human history, examples of people who denied self took on the burden of command, like you called it, you know, and allowed that to develop their character and develop their humility. Those are the people we look at. Those are the stories we study. Those are the biographies we remember. You know, and the person that every year said, well, this year I'm going to do better. Okay. <laughs> that's not a decision. That's an ambition. And it's nice. But, you know, what do they say? Talk is cheap, right? Right. Well, you know, and, and you said something else there that, that I agree completely with is the, you know, the continuing education, but you've got to put it in action. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a manager's office that wants to be a really good leader. And I look around their office and they've got bookshelves full of, they got every John Maxwell book. They've got every Simon Sinek book. And, and I asked them what's going on here. You know, you've got a PhD level understanding here of leadership. Where's the disconnect? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I'm reading another book right now. And they, they're constantly reading another book right. and never taking time to put it in action or worse when they do put it in action, it's just a word for word regurgitation of, of quotes and, right. and isms. Uh, and, and you mentioned earlier that that comes across disingenuous. We, people see right through that. There's a huge difference because one of my pet peeves is we, uh, we look for things that help us mask the fact that we're not willing to take action. Mm. And academics is great, but there is a big difference between a degree and being a continuous learner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can graduate high school, go to college, go get a master's degree. Great. You're on 18, 20 years of school, right? And that's fantastic. But at some point when you finally graduate, then you got to go get a job and you have to actually apply all that theory and get it into action. But what happens is people will do their four-year college, they'll go get a job, and that four years of higher education, if you want to call it that, um, are supposed to carry them for their whole career, which, by the way, used to be a 20-year career. But what is it now? Like 35, 40 years we're expected to work? I mean, we're going to be working until we're 65, 70. You think that four years of learning when you were 20, 22, like that that's going to carry you for 40 years of the world changing and people evolving and ideas shifting and biases? No way. So don't use education as a crutch. You know, just everyone being enrolled in an online university isn't going to make our society better, right? Like, but an understanding that we can constantly be developing or growing or shaping ourselves and being willing to expose ideas. Cool. Yeah. Make that part of your thing. But, but your learning, you know, is something that you do to then apply action later. Um, and, and so if you're buried in the books and you're always like, well, when I read the next one, I love to play the same game. You go in someone's room, look at the titles and, you know, we are group think a lot. I mean, all, most of the titles in most people's offices are exactly the same and they're great books. Read them. Cool. But read them with the thought to application. Um, and if you can't figure out the application, the idea for application that comes out of the book, you know, then reading it, I mean, you might as well read a fiction novel because then at least you're working on imagination, right? Like you're still right. reading and you're getting new ideas, but everything, what's the, there's a Kirkpatrick method. It's a four levels of training and development, right? The, the bottom level is entertainment. That's where most fiction lives. Um, then there's knowledge. Okay, cool. I got some new data. And then level three is application. If you can't get out of knowledge into application, you're, you're missing part of it. And, you know, those books all have that level of application, but we typically don't 
take that. We take the idea, we catalog it and go, oh, well, when I win the lottery, you know, and there's always a trigger of I need this one next thing to make me better. No, you don't. You, you need to start. Build your support system. Set up a set up a challenge, a dare, or whatever it takes to get you off the couch. You know, change something about your life, right? And and then in that process of change, you're going to develop new habits, and you will be different when you wake up and you're you know you're at the next level. And then figure out how do I do this again? Like, okay, what's the next challenge? What's the next thing I can take on? Um, but all of them have to be grounded in application. Exactly. No, and, and again, the, that's why I liked you used the word uh, basics earlier. Uh, and I think that's where the Marine Corps does a masterful job. And I know the Army does as well. My business partner is, is from the Army, and, and they were taught those leadership behaviors uh, or those leadership principles that are kind of that, that I'll always call it leadership 101. And that's where we found a lot of our success is, is really giving people the basics. And it's amazing to me, you know, when we talk about things like knowing your team and looking out for their welfare and why that's important, you start seeing those light bulbs go off because they, they've read about this in other books, but they didn't understand what was going on because they, they kind of jumped in to that master's PhD level of education, but they didn't build their foundation. They didn't really understand the human interaction because you know, my theory, and this is this is really my theory, is we've really overcomplicated leadership. We, we know what we want to see out of leaders. We, we know how we want to be treated. We know how we want to be led. And we know what that successful leadership looks like. We just think that it has to be more complicated than it is. Well, sure, because... We, we put on this mask of leadership, like the siren's call, right? Like if you think of a famous American like leader or hero, you know, you, you look at your money and see the faces. You look at the, the, you know, the mountains, like who are the schools named after, the streets named after, the parks named after, the statues built for. And we have this siren's call that a leader has to be somebody with, you know, their foot up on the bow of the ship or on a rock and sword drawn pointed at the North Star and, you know, they're, they're following that, that passion and vision that we just imagine was magically given to them. But, you know, that's not leadership. Like that's that, that false cry of the sirens on the, the shoreline calling out to the sailors, you know, hey, come over here and we'll give you everything you ever wanted. But if you follow that, if you, if you think you have to have the coolest pants and, you know, the best sunglasses to be a leader, well, great. You know, there are a lot of people um, online here who put pictures of, you know, their garage with their three Lamborghinis and they're like, follow my click feed and, you know, you too can be a multimillionaire. And, okay, you know, maybe it's not a lie. Maybe it worked for them, you know, but you could also buy a lotto ticket and maybe you win that. Like, you know, I, I think you're better off recognizing the things you can do in your own life to build discipline and focusing on how can I grow. And if you're, if you're taking those steps, because we're not talking about you know, how to be the best human being on the planet. We're talking about how to be the best you mm-hmm. on the planet, right? I mean, and, and I'm not saying think small. Think big. That's great. Do do big things. But recognize that it starts with, you know, sort of self-mastery, right? Know yourself. Seek self-improvement. So are you doing things that make you better every day? And if you're not, pick a program and start it. And when you finish that one, pick another program and start it. And then do the maintenance, be willing to invest. 
you know, and, and I don't mean this as like a pitch for the commander or anything, it, it, any program, like pick something that challenges you. You have your whole life. You're not going to just do one thing for the rest of your life. Uh, and, you know, maybe the philosophy of, of, of self-development, but, but you'd get better by challenging yourself to achieve things and then taking whatever you learned from that process and applying it to how you, you run and lead every day. Uh, you know, the things I've learned, like, you know, I can take a, you know, do, do your best routine kind of thing. And I'm going to pick the nuggets that work for me, apply them, do them until I do them as a habit or, you know, 80% of the time without thinking about it. And then I find new stuff, you know, and whether it starts with, Hey, I should probably drink more water. Okay. Well, drink more water until you do it as a habit and you don't think about it anymore. And then when you're doing your eight glasses or whatever it is a day, cool. Now pick something else and then work towards that. But always be willing to set a goal and make a decision to cut away things in your life that are holding you back, right? And then advance yourself to that next level. Um, and the burden of command is not only doing that for yourself, but figuring out how to shape an environment to do it for other people. And it's hard. And there are, you know, there's tons of examples, but very few examples with understanding built in because a lot of people have been totally successful and and uh, had had wonderful runs and good lives. And the stories and the biographies are not all true. And they leave out some of the dirt and the grit and the building that it takes to really make something exceptional. Um, so just recognize you're going to have to go and through that and participate and, and, and be engaged in your own life in a very, very real, gritty way. Uh, but the outcome is you'll know yourself and seek self-improvement. Like you, you will get better. Right. No, and, and uh, a lot of wisdom there. And, and uh, you know, you were talking about the statues and all that. It was it was something I, I've, I've found myself talking about this a lot lately, and I don't know why, but people have been talking about monuments and stuff. Maybe that's it. But I, I never realized exactly how uh, Socratic my, my grandfather was uh, until recently. And there was a saying he always – he would always say, whenever we would see a monument or statue or something like that, he, he would look at me and he'd be like, son – he goes, when I die, I'd rather have people running around asking why they didn't build a monument in my honor than asking why they did. And and I think I, I like that there, you know, because we, we do. We have these icons that we hold up. I mean, some of them go back in history. You know, we still think about George Washington's and Abraham Lincoln's and all those individuals. But now we've got, you know, moderns. Again, uh, you know, the John Maxwell's, the Simon Sinek's. And like you said, what they do is fantastic. But you're not them. You, you can't be them. And if you try to lead the way they do, if you try to implement the things they do their way, it's not going to work. You've got to figure out what those nuggets are that they're sharing and how that applies to you and your leadership style and how you can employ it. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me. People come to your uh, courses. You don't want them to go out and do things the way you did them. That's not no. learning. No, and there's too many programs like that. They say, here's the absolute, here's the silver bullet. If you lead like I did, you can be me. And, uh, you know, I get it. We need aspirational goals. We got to shoot for things. That's important. I think, you know, you mentioned Simon Sinek and he talks about his, his golden circle and, and in the center of it is why. But really that's the visionary style of leadership. And, and a lot of his stuff references the military and particularly the Marines. And what he's talking about is commander's intent. It's being able to say, my desire is, and then fill in the blank. Uh -huh. And then the second question, which is in order to, 
Like, why is it you want to do that? My desire is to have a big shiny house. Okay, in order to what? You know, and if you can answer both questions, my desire is and in order to, you have what we call commander's intent or what in the business world they talk about as why. But what you have is a vision and that's a style of leadership that you form and shape around your needs, your development. And and anybody listening to this show could could be more exceptional and could grow and develop and could change. But it would be naive to say, you know, you have to become the Taekwondo champion of, you know, the Ukraine in order to really achieve success? Because the answer is, no, you don't. You, you, you just you got to be the best version of what, what you want. And until you can say, my desire is in order to, and, and fill in those blanks, um, that vision might not be clear enough to act on. And so then we just spend our time, you know, spinning the wheels looking for a silver bullet. But no one else is going to be able to give that to you until you can articulate your desire. I mean, if you want to play a simple game, it's you hop in a time machine and you go 12 months into the future and, you know, there's Earl of the future and he's high-fiving people and saying, man, we did it. Like, I feel really good about this. And I'm not just saying it's awesome. Like, this is something I truly achieved that I'm proud of. Right. What would that thing be? And and until you can start to answer those questions, you know, part of what you do is just spinning your wheels. So if you want to you take your game up, you, you start with that commander's intent. My desire is in order to... And then once you answer those, then get to action. All right. If that's my desire and that's my in order to, okay, what do I need to do? And by the way, as you start breaking this down, what you're really doing is you're looking at the planning process. Mm-hmm. And all the pieces are there. And this is nothing, none of this is new. You know, and, and once you start filling in the planning process, that's where you get back to what we you know, talked about, which is it really is the planning. It's not, not having the plan. It's going through these steps. And understanding your your commander's intent, and understanding how you move forward, and and then surrounding yourself with people who are willing to hold you accountable, and to challenge you, and and that takes humility because we don't like being held accountable, <laughs> we don't like being challenged. Like everybody wants it to be seventy two degrees and sunny, <laughs> right? And right. but that's not making you better. Seventy two degrees and sunny is is homeostasis. Like we're just chilling, and that's good for a time but if you want to grow you want to start your thing you want to launch your next whatever okay you're gonna to have to get uncomfortable right. yeah and, and again that that being comfortable being uncomfortable is is critical and and again i like what you were saying here because that's that's one of the things that uh i find that's that is the trickiest question when you uh when when you're talking to a new leader is what does success look like to you and inevitably, you're going to hear some corporate speak, some some goal, uh, you know, some metrics that have come from on high. You know, what does success define success for you? And and be realistic about what success is, uh, you know, because sometimes sometimes goals are set so low that everybody can succeed. Is that really success? Right. Uh, then sometimes goals are set so high that nobody can meet them. And if you fail at that, then you've just brought down the morale of everybody because you, nobody gets a boost out of failure. Right. And then that gets us back to the burden of command. Right. So any individual anywhere on this, like your, your, your show, your team, the clients you work for, people who you know have talked, worked, whatever, anybody could make a choice, a decision, and make themselves into what, everything we're talking about. The burden of command is that because of your role, you have to do it. You have an obligation to do it because that will make the organization better. And and recognizing that, hey, if you're going to be willing to take on the position of command, that comes with 
you don't get a choice about being comfortable anymore. Like the burden of command is you are making the hard choice or the discipline choice and you're going to do the things that shape the environment and create a better organization. And, you know, there are a lot of companies out there where people get promoted, but they don't really take on the burden of command. Taking that on is a recognition that it is now your job to shape and create that environment and to maintain your own personal and professional discipline so that other people around you can benefit and grow, which, you know, brings us back to what we started with. So, well, uh, and that's well stated. And like you said, we come back full circle and, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on 40 minutes or so here. And, uh, I just want to thank you very much for, for your time. I really appreciate what you spent with us. Uh, I'm going to have the, the links to command ready. Uh, I'll have links to your social media. I do like some of the, uh, the videos and stuff you post, especially on Facebook. There's, there's some really good thought provoking discussions and great feedback. Um, before I let you go, the last question I like to always end with is, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you would like to talk about? <laughs> so much stuff. Um, but we've already gone 40 minutes. So I, you know, Hey, check out the command ready thing. If you really want to do continuous learning, if you want to take entertainment, get some new knowledge and then figure out ways to apply it. You know, I put a free uh, thing in there. If you go to my website that you'll, you'll send out, you can hop in for 30 days. There's two or three classes you can look at and, and knock out a couple and then think about joining us. Uh, we'll be launching the 21 day challenge here by the time this thing airs. It's 21 days and, you know, if you take Sundays off or whatever, that's fine. So then it'll take, you know, 24 days. But but uh, the idea is every day you get up and commit to an 8 to 10 minute video and one homework assignment. And and by challenging yourself to rethink about your position, your role, your job, your life, uh, at the end of three weeks, you're, you're going to have some new ambitions set for you and you're going to see how you can jump into your life and how you can lead yourself and your teams uh, differently. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. There's a million ideas to talk about, but I would start with that one. All right. Well, you know, again, thanks for joining us, brother. I really appreciate it. Semper Fi. Hoorah. And for all the listeners, take the Colonel up on his offer there. We'll have those links and, and get over there and take those free classes and, and consider that 21 day challenge. And since you had so much left to say, uh, we'll have to look back, get you back on here in the, in the future so we can talk some more leadership. Really appreciate it. Let me know. There's, there, there's so much to this discussion and we have to be having it. So I agree. All right, sir. Uh, appreciate it. Good luck on your continued success. And for all of our listeners out there, take action. That's the key element from this one. Take Hoorah. action. I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. 
available now wherever you listen to music. One, two, 